Good evening, brothers and sisters. I want to thank God for another opportunity for us to gather to study at the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I also want to thank God for your life and for all that the Lord has been doing. To Him alone be the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. It's a privilege um, that God has given to us to prove our loyalty in terms of carrying out the assignment of the Great Commission, which He has committed into our hands. And I pray that even as we share together today again His word in our lives, He will bless us in the mighty name of Jesus. I'd like us to close our eyes as we say a word of prayer. Shall we pray? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we want to thank you because you are God. The Bible says the entrance of your word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. As we gather to study at your feet this morning, we are praying our Lord and our God that you will bless us. Grace to become more loyal. Grace to respond in obedience to what we are going to hear. Let there be a release in the mighty name of Jesus. That at the climax of it all, every one of us will declare that you have blessed us. Let it be so in the name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like us to open our Bibles very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where our team test is taken from. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. We also read Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. And we'll round up with Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has despised abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Matthew chapter 28, we've also been using it since we started, Matthew chapter 28, that's where you have the great commission from verse 19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, from verse 10 to 17. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go to the street, which is called Street, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And I seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for it is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear thy name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into his, the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee, in the way as thou camest, has sent me, 
that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Finally, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. I'll read from here. He said, To whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I want to say that since the beginning of this month, we have been considering the issue of loyalty. And uh, when we talk about loyalty, we are talking about loyalty to God, loyalty to leadership. We are members of the Four Square Gospel Church in Nigeria. Every Four Square, we are reminded in a month like this to be loyal to leadership, whether at church level, whether at zonal level, whether at district level, whether at national level. We are expected to be loyal to one another and then overall on the whole to our organization. And then uh, we have also seen that when you talk about loyalty, you are talking about being faithful, being faithful. When a man is loyal, the man will be faithful. A loyal man is a committed man. He's committed to doing the work of God. And he's also somebody that can be trusted. And then uh, as we begin to bring the teachings to a close tonight, I want you to ask yourself, am I really loyal? Am I committed? Am I faithful? Can I be trusted with divine assignment? And I also want to add that by the grace of God, today's teaching will mark the last in the series of our Loyalty Month teachings. With the team, I'm sure we all know that the team for this year's Loyalty Month is abounding grace for abundant harvest. Taken from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, say God is able to make all grace abound towards us. We have also seen that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. It's, it's plenty and it's in abundance. It's ready and waiting urgently to be harvested. We, we, we saw in Matthew chapter 9 some few weeks ago from verse 36. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 36. Said, and when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Uh, then it's, he said here unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. Brothers and sisters, I want, to, I want to emphasize again that the harvest, especially in a time like this, is plenteous. And he said, but the laborers are few. He said, pray ye therefore that the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to say that uh, the harvest really is ripe, very, very ripe in a time like this. It's plenteous. When you also look at Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he said, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great. It's not just plenteous, but it's also great. He said, But the laborers are what? Are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. You see, there are two things we need to take note of here. One, the, the harvest is plenty. The harvest is great. And number two is the availability of you and me as laborers in the vineyard of God. And in John chapter 4, verse 35, John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus also had this to say, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then comment the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, 
for they are white or ready to harvest. They are white already. They are ready to be harvested. We see this ripe and, and plenty harvest in the form of the sick all around us. They are looking for healing. They are looking for salvation in the form of coronavirus patients all around us at the point of death. We see it in the souls of men and women who are troubled. Some of them at the point of taking their lives, committing suicide. We see them in form of dysfunctional marriages, all looking for help. I, I was seeing in one of the posts yesterday a man who killed his wife, virtually killed his wife because of the disagreement they, they had. We see it in form of drug addicts um, and amongst others who are in need of a shepherd or for their souls. Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd. All these ones are looking for a shepherd to guide them, to, 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 to lead them in their ways. And I want to say that if the harvest at that time Jesus was speaking was ripe and great, um, how much more greater is that harvest today with more than 6 billion souls on, on, on the surface of the earth, with many of them increasingly caught with one ailment, one challenge or need or the other. And that should show to us really that what Jesus wants, there's a great need for, for, for what? For, for the harvest for, of souls, even more now than what we had in the time of Jesus. We have also seen that in all of it, that the only answer to the problem of this world, to the answer to the problems of ailment, to the problems that people are going through, is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comment unto the Father except they come through him. In John chapter 14, verse 6. We have also seen that God has made available for us abounding grace. And, and we saw last, last Tuesday that that grace is the power and ability that God has made available to us. Divine enablement God has made available to his children. Through the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish the task of so winning other tasks that he has committed onto our hands. Uh, by the grace of God, uh, my prayer is that none of us will fail him in the name of Jesus. I want us to know that the harvest is ripe. I want us to know that God has called you as a laborer and in his vineyard. And he has given you all that you need, the abounding grace through the Holy Spirit of God for you to be able to succeed. Tonight, by the grace of God, we are going to be considering what I have tied to, retaining the abundant harvest, true abounding grace for follow-up. Retaining the abundant harvest, true abounding grace for follow-up. Don't forget our theme for, for, for this year's loyalty month is abounding grace for what? For abundant harvest. And we've taken some a lot of topics on them, but as we round up this month's loyalty month, we are looking at this topic. I want us to know that the truth is that there is more to the Great Commission than just leading people to say the sinner's prayers, which is very important. Many a times today we preach the word, either in the church, in crusades, and then at the end of the message, we invite people to surrender their lives to Christ. Many of them come out. And to a very large extent, that is the end. And I want to say that that is the difference between today's Christianity and the Christianity of old. When people surrender their lives to Christ, that should not be the end. That should not be the end. What happens to, to them 
after they have come out to say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to say this evening that our objective as believers, and I speak to every child of God listening to me, is to get converts established as the Great Commission is all encompassing. It is preaching the Word of God. It is teaching them to observe all things. It is teaching them. It is following them up. It is discipling them, discipleship. It is so winning. It is, and all this, when you look at the Bible, they can be separated from each other. So tonight we are going to be examining this topic, training the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up. Under three subheadings. Number one is the place of retaining the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up. Number two, we look at the pattern. What is the pattern of retaining the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up? And then number three, what is the profit? What is the benefit of retaining the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up? I'm praying that as we go through these three sub-edits, the Lord will bless each and every one of us under my voice in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let's start by looking at the place of retaining the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up. I want to say, when you talk about follow-up, what are you talking about? It refers to the grounding of the new believer in faith. When a man comes and surrenders his life to Christ, he needs to be established. He needs to be grounded. The reason why somebody will come to them and say, I have surrendered my life to Christ, and he's still misbehaving, he's still committing sin, he's still doing one thing or the other that does not bring glory to God, it is because many of them are not grounded. They have surrendered their lives to Christ, but nobody taught them the ways of God. Nobody established them in the things of God. And that is why we are seeing some of the things we are seeing today all over. And then when you talk about this follow-up, it is seen in the conservation of the fruits, maturing of the fruits. Uh, it's not just to bear fruits, they must do what we must, we must nurture them to, 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 to mature. Uh, and it's also the multiplication of those fruits of what? Of evangelism. Follow-up is all about providing spiritual care and nurture for spiritual babies. I will never forget when I gave my life to Christ, somebody followed me up. And one of the reasons why I was able to stand is that this woman would come even at all times to see how I was faring. She taught me the word of God, she nurtured me, and it went a very long way. Even if you wanted to do something wrong, you were afraid that she could come. She could come. We have had instances where people visit those who newly surrender their lives to Christ. And and the, the moment the brother began to knock on the door, it took time for the new convert to open the door because he was he was he was still smoking, and and he wanted to quickly find a way to disinfect the air before he opens the door. And you know, by the thank God for the teacher who came in and, and told him, look, look, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The problem is not the cigarette you are smoking. The problem is not the beer that you are drinking. The problem is still your establishment. You need to be established. You may have given your life to Christ. If you are not nurtured, it will be difficult for you to grow from being babes to becoming spiritual juggernauts in the house of God. And follow-up is also making sure that a new Christian understands his or a new relationship with God. 
Now, what, what we do in follow-up is to make the, the new convert know that you are no longer under the authority of the devil. You are now under the authority of what? Of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that new relationship, that authority that you, not, you are now under makes you to have a relationship with God and the kingdom of God. And um, I want to add that when you talk about follow-up, you are talking of um, F-O-L-L-O-W-U-P. It's different alphabets that you see in, in that word. And then it, that tells us about the concept of follow-up. The concept of follow-up. Now let's take F. F talks about forsaking your sins. Forsaking your sins. And I'd like us to open to Luke chapter 14, verse 33. It says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. If there is anyone who will come after me, let him first of all deny himself. We must forsake our sins, deny ourselves, and only then can we take up the cross and follow him. Paul actually forsook something. Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 to 8. He said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. The things that were gained to me, I did what? I counted them lost for what? For Christ. Uh, yet, yet, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the what? For the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, the loss of all things, for the what? For the sake of of following Jesus, and do count them, but don't, that I may win Christ. He said, Paul said, I did what? I forsook all things. I suffered the loss of all things for the sake of what? For the sake of winning Christ. So the first letter there, F, stands for what? Forsake all your sins. And number two, as we do the work of follow-up, is the letter O. Letter O. Offer yourself to Christ. O stands for offer yourself to Christ. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah, it talks about consecrating all, consecrating your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your legs, uh, and your mind, and your time. And that songwriter said, take my life and let it be. Take my eyes, take my hands, take my everything. So, so O is making up your mind to offer yourself completely to Christ. Don't forget, F stands for forsaking all your sins. O stands for offering yourself to Christ. And then the third one, L. L stands for learning of him. Learning of him. Learning of him. In Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 to 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. Learn of me. The third one there, head, as we follow up the new converts, is to make them to learn of him. And Jesus is saying here, he said, and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. For your word, for your souls. I want to say it says, it says, I am meek and what? And I am lonely in heart. He said, Take my yoke. A yoke is something that restricts us. 
one of the things that we receive uh, when we surrender our lives to Christ is having the yoke upon our lives broken so that we can serve God the way we are supposed to serve Him. And that brings us to the second L, which is love. The first L is learn of Him. The second L is love Jesus. One of the things we must make uh, a, a new converts to know as we follow Him is the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus was speaking to His disciples. He said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. We must let the new converts know that if they really, really love Jesus, they must keep the commandments of the Lord. And then you now have O. O, o stands for obey Him. Obey Him. Obey Him. I want us to know that when we surrender our lives to Christ, we become what? A what? A servant of God. We become one of His servants. And then you are only a servant to whom, you're of whom you do what? Of whom you obey. You are only a servant of whom you obey. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Romans chapter 6. Open your Bible to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Know ye not, to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, the servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So when we yield our bodies to obey sin, it's unto death. And when we yield our body unto, unto obedience, it's unto righteousness. Whoever you yield yourself to becomes the master of your life. I'm praying that we will obey him so that we will obey the Lord Jesus so that he can become the master of our lives. And one of the things we teach our new converts when we follow them up is to ensure and encourage them to live in obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the only way that God can do what he wants to do in their lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22, and Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fats of rams. To obey is better than what? Than sacrifice. God has more pleasure in our obedience than our sacrifice, than our tithes and offerings. God has more what? More, more pleasure in our obeying Him. Because it is only in obedience we can do what? We can enjoy the fruits of the land. It's only in our lives of obedience that the blessings of God will not only come upon us, but they will overtake us. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23, Jeremiah 20, chapter 7, verse 23, it says, But this one thing commanded I then, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. And ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all my thy ways that I have commanded thee, that it may be well with you. All over the Bible, there's, there's an emphasis on total obedience. When we obey him, it is only when we obey him, he becomes our God. So we need to watch the voice that we listen to. We need to encourage the new converts to watch the voice that they listen to. Uh, the, 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 the policy of who to submit to and the actions to take. And then you have W. W is working with him. Working with him. W is working with him. In First John, let's open our Bibles to First John chapter 2. 
First John chapter 2, verse 6. First John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith he abided in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. So if we are saying we are abiding in him, that he is the one that has become Lord over our lives, it means that we have to walk in the way that he has walked. We have, we have to encourage the new convert. We ourselves who are already children of God must also be seen to be walking in the way of the Lord. Because one of the ways we also teach those who we are we are shepherding, who we have become shepherd over, is our lives of work, the examples that we live, the kind of examples that we exhibit. Then we we'll go to you. You is understand this priority. What is the priority of God? We must also encourage the new convert to understand God's own priority. When we surrender our lives to Christ, our priorities are no longer they can no longer be the same. We must do what? We must follow that which is the heartbeat of God. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. That is the priority of God, to go ye Therefore, to do the work of evangelism, and we must encourage the new converts to play their roles. Somebody preached to them, it is also time for them to also go out and preach to others. In John chapter 9, verse 4, look at the priority of God. He said, I must walk the works of him that has sent me. While it is day, he said, the night cometh when no man can walk. We must do the work of him that has sent us. While it is there. Then finally, you have P. P. P is to pursue God's purpose. Pursue God's purpose. Pursue God's purpose. We must be in our Father's business at all times. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus was speaking there. He says, Luke chapter 2, verse 49. He said, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? We see not that I must be about my father's business. Don't you know that I should, I, I must necessarily be doing the business of my father? I want to say that the place of follow-up cannot be emphasized as it gives glory to God and uh, that makes it a very, very great event. Whatever brings glory to God as far as I'm concerned is a very great event. It's an opportunity to have Christ formed in the life of the new convert, who has now become united and integrated into the local body of believers, whether in that church or in that community. And then, if the follow-up is done properly, we will find now that that new convert can also become what? A point of contact to reach out to others. We've come to find out that it is far, far easier for new converts to bring their same sin, those who they were in the same community of what? Of sinners. It is easier for them to go back and say, come and see the master who told me all things. Come and see the master who has delivered me from my sin, who has delivered me from my sickness, rather than the believers who already are in the community of the saved ones. All their friends are already saved. And that's why we must, if we play our part very well in the life of new converts, they can become instruments to bring others. Now let me round up this aspect of the place of follow-up by looking at the, the, uh, what follow-up provides. Follow-up helps us to provide four things very quickly I want to mention. Number one, it helps us to provide the need for love. 
the need for love. The need for love. In John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. Says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another, even as I have loved you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he gave us his only begotten son. One of the greatest things we can talk about Jesus is the love that he came to show for us. And we are also under a mandate to show that love to others, especially new converts. And I want us to know that uh, we have become spiritual parents over them, and we are expected to reciprocate the love shown uh, to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love is the very basic in establishing a new convert. Beloved, there's no other thing you can do to establish a new convert than to show them the love of God. Love is what they didn't have while they were in the world. And they cannot come inside the body of Christ and still be seeing the same hatred they were seeing in the world. And that is what the only thing that can make it different from the life they used to see and enjoy is the love they begin to see when they surrender their lives to Christ in the body of Christ. I want us to know that knowledge must precede love. When, when, when we love them, then we must follow it up. We must follow it up by teaching them. And hence the need for us to spend time by getting to know them and to love them as a new believer. So there's a need for love. And I want to say that I want to, I want to encourage the body of Christ. And many of the things that are happening today is because love which should be the main ingredient as children of God, is missing. We can, we can, we can raise up the dead, we, we can preach and the whole place is upside down, mountains are becoming valleys by, by our prayers, but there, there is no love. And the Bible says when there is no love, we are just noisemakers. We are just noisemakers. And one of the ways we need to do what? We need to show this love of God is to newcomers in our midst. It's a new converse in our midst. We have situations today where people come and surrender their lives to Christ and nobody follows them up. Nobody shows them the love of God. And many of them return to their old ways because they are not seeing any difference in us as children of God. Number two is the need for what? For nourishment. Need for nourishment. I want to say that very essential for establishing the new Christian is what? Is the nourishment of their souls. If we are going to get them established, we must do what? We must nourish them. The babe in Christ needs to be fed regularly with the right kind of food. If You know, if you don't eat the right kind of food physically, you will not be able to grow. The word of God is a food for every believer. And that's why in John chapter 21, from verse 15, Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, So then, when, so when they had died, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, you know as that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lamb. So Jesus was saying, Do you love me more than all this? Do you love me more than this fishing nets? Do you love me more than more than this profession that you have you have come back to? And Peter was saying, Well, you know I love you. It will show. By, 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 by our word, our loyalty to what? Feeding the Lamb of Jesus. It will show by our, our, our loyalty in, in providing nourishment to those who are just coming. And then, he said unto him again the second time, Simon, 
son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lamb. So the first one was, Lovest me more than all this? Do you love me more than your profession? Number two, he said, Lovest thou me? Do you have the love of God? Do you have the love of God? Love is coming up again. That was what God, Jesus was asking Peter. Lovest thou me? Do you have the love of God? In this particular case, it was the love, uh, the agape love. The agape love. But you know the way Peter responded. He said, Thou knowest that I love thee. Peter was talking of fellow love, brotherly love. But Jesus was talking about the agape love. And then he, he, he went, he said, if you, if you love me, do what? Feed my sheep. And then the third time, verse 17, he said, and he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He was asking him again, do you really love me? So Jesus now came to his own level. Do you really love me with a fellow love? Do you really love me with a brotherly love? Which Peter understood. At this point, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my lamb. So feed my sheep. Sorry, feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. It will show that we love God. It will show that we love God. And number three is the need for protection. The need for protection. I want us to know that the new convert is exposed to satanic attacks, which he may not know how to handle, especially at that what, young age. He may not know how to handle those spiritual attacks that he faces on a daily basis. And that is why there is a need for follow-up. Some of those attacks will come from, from, from relationships they are stepping from. Some of those attacks will come even from relations, parents, and then who need to do what follow them up. They will need to be prayed for. They will need to be taught how to pray. They will need to be taken through the scriptures and encouraged to be bold, holding on to the word of God, which will be impossible without the needed follow-up. The it will be impossible without the needed follow-up for them to hold on to the word of God if we do not teach them the word of God. If we do not teach them how to pray, it will be difficult for them to follow the word of God. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I pray that we will not be instruments for the enemy to devour in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not be instruments for the enemy to devour in the mighty name of Jesus. And the fourth one is the need for training. The need for training. The need for training. I like us to look at First Thessalonians chapter three, verse five. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse five. For this, because I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. I sent them to follow you up, should in case the tempter has tempted you, so that our labor will not be in vain. I want to say that the spiritual parents must train the new convert to help build uh, his life with his eternal materials on the only foundation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He needs to do what? He needs to be trained. He needs to be trained concerning the word of God. He needs to be encouraged concerning the word of God. 
the word of God is the training manual. And as they go through the word, they are also encouraged to walk in Christ and witness for him. In Philippians chapter 2, from verse 15 to 17, it says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as the lights of the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and I may have not run in vain, neither labored what in vain. Praise the Lord. So, beloved, I, I want us to know that when we make up our minds to do what? To, to, to follow up believer, uh, new converts, it will help us, number one, to, to, to train them, it will help us to love them, it will help us to nourish them, and then it will also help us to take care of the need for protection. And then we want to take the second part of this teaching, which is the pattern of retaining abundant harvest for true abounding, abounding grace for follow-up. The pattern of retaining abundant, the abundant harvest. Uh, how do we go about retaining this abundant harvest? through the abounding grace God has made available for us. And in this particular place, we'll be emphasizing the New Testament pattern of follow-up, which are better done on a personal basis. And then on these four, four plans that we're going to look at. The first one is in prayers. Prayers is key. The first and major pattern is what? True prayers. True prayers. True prayers, men and women can come to the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 2 to 3. He said, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Paul was talking to the church in the Thessalonian church. He said, We make mention of you always in our prayers. We are praying for you on a daily basis. He said, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and, um, and our Father. So Paul, Paul was encouraging them that we are praying for you. On a daily basis, we are praying for you. Philippians chapter 1, he said the same thing to the Philippian church. In Philippians chapter 1, um, verses 7 and 8. Please open to Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8. Say, even, in the, it, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bond and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are, are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of what? Of Jesus Christ. I long after you in prayers. Follow up begins by praying regularly for the combat. Many of the people who surrender their lives to Christ, they fall into sin and they go back because people are not praying for them. The church must return back to praying for individuals. We are not there to shame them. We are not there to, to fight them. We are not there to begin to do what? To begin to abuse them. He said, look, this one said he's already still a rapist. And no, we need to pray for them. And I won't intercede God will now go ahead to make them disciples. The objective of God is to raise disciples, men and women who have become conformed to the image of his son, student learners of Jesus Christ. 
And he's the one who does the raising of the disciples by himself. But we will need to pray. We will need to pray. And we must also note that God is in charge of that convert. Therefore, only him can produce growth in the life of that convert. It is only Jesus himself who can provide growth, who can bring forth growth in the life of that new convert. In Matthew chapter 13, from verse 3 to 9, and you also look at 14 to 20, we will not be able to read it now. You see the parable of the sower. You see the parable of the sower. Many times when we preach, it falls on different kinds of soil. Some of them will fall among, uh, among along the road. Some of the, the, the birds of the air will come, just take it away. In the very moment, they are forgotten what you have preached. Some of them will fall among the tongues. So there's competition, there's persecution, there's trouble for them to continue. And some might even not be able to make it. Some of them will fall even on, on stony, on, on rocks. And then there's the, there's the good one, the, the final one that falls on good soil. And it takes a believer who is able to do what? Who is able to stand to, to do what? To keep praying for these ones so that they will be able to stand in the things of God. And we see the example of, of, of Jesus and Paul who spent so much time. We've seen the examples of Paul. Please take time to read Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 19, and Acts chapter 20. You will see Paul praying for new believers so that they will be established. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, Jesus will always go to a solitary place early in the morning to pray that God will establish his disciples. Number two, number two pattern is to take prompt actions, prompt actions. And I want to say that prompt actions are needed in following up a new combat. They are needed, you see, like I said, we just preach today and we forget about them. For them to be established, we must take prompt action to follow them up. We need to be available for them. We need to attend to their questions. There are confusions about their newfound faith. If not, Satan will snatch them back. Satan is waiting to take them back if we do not follow them up. That's why follow-up is so important. And that's why I'm encouraging the body of Christ, especially those of us in Ebay. Many of us are seated doing nothing. You can become a man and a woman who God can use to become an instrument that we establish just one soul, just one soul, just one soul. At least you can point to one soul in heaven that the Lord has helped you to reach out to. I want to say that we must put a call through within 24 to 48 hours of anyone who has received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Don't wait till the following Sunday. Don't wait to the, the following time we meet again. Let there be a call immediately, within 24 to 48 hours, if we want them to be established. And then number three is personal contacts. Don't forget, the first one again is prayers, very important. Number two is prompt action. Number three is our personal contacts. The, the, like I said, the convert must be visited within 24 hours. Apart from making phone calls to them, we must do what? We must visit them. We, for easy identification, you know, inside the church or in a fellowship, there are so many people who will not be able to, to differentiate them. But when you meet somebody one-on-one, -on -one, apart from the fact that you get to know him more, uh, it also creates confidence in him or her to open up to you. It gives the, the new convert a sense of belonging. And uh, I want to say that Jesus and Paul, 
they adopted this method very, very well. Let's look at Mark, the example of Mark chapter, of Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Say, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and they that they that he might send them forth to do what? To preach. And in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, I want to read from verse 23 to 24. Verse 23 to 24. He said, He said, For I am what? I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. For me to keep being around you so that I, I can be a blessing and follow you up is more needful for you. And number four is correspondence. I, I know when I started to talk about follow-up, many of us will be saying, is it now that you cannot visit people because of coronavirus? Is it now that pastor will be talking about what? About follow-up. Now, I want us to know that the, the times that we live, modern-day technology has, 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 has been made available for us, especially in this time of lockdown, and the need to keep social distance to reach our new converts. We can make telephone calls. We can even pray for them on the telephone. We can also visit them. But I want to say that this will require what? Um, resources of time, uh, money, prayers, discipline. Some of us will need to do what? To buy credit at times. And, but you see, the, the most important thing is that what? Eternal reward is guaranteed. Eternal reward is guaranteed. And, and I think that is the most important thing. When you look at the New Testament, you see a lot of personal letters. Paul had to write to, to the world, to the church. And it was to encourage them, to teach them, and to guide them in their new faith. And we as believers must do the same thing too, as much as possible. This is not the time for us to be apart. This is the time for us to encourage one another. People around you, be a source of encouragement. Find out how they are feeling. Money is not everything. When you can also provide to meet their needs, it will go a long way. That is how to know about the love of Jesus. And I pray that God will help each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to look at the third part of this teaching, which is the profit of retaining the abundant harvest through abounding grace for follow-up. The benefits. And I want to say that there are a lot of benefits we derive from being committed to the work of follow-up in the house of God. A lot of benefits when we are committed to following up men and women. Number one is that God is glorified as value is added to the kingdom of God. When we follow up believers and become close to them, value is not only added to your life, it is also added to those who you are ministering to. They become more established. They get to know Jesus the more. They are able to pray on their own. They are able to know the word of God as you take them through the scriptures and the word of God. Number two is that the work will be done by more people. When we establish new converts, the number of people available to do the work increases. Just as we saw in Mark chapter 3, verse 14 just now, when Jesus prayed for the disciples and sent them out two by two to go and minister the word of God. They went out, ministered to people, and through that converts were also raised. The established converts will sooner or later begin to win others for Christ. Number three, the new converts get established in faith. 
Apart from that, the value is added to them, to the work of God. And the work is done by more people. The new convert is also established in faith. I always tell people, I say, this work is done by tongues. Some of us who are doing what we are doing today, in years to come, will no longer be there. Others will come and take over. And then, if we don't establish those ones in faith, they will make a mockery. They will make a mockery of this faith that God has given to us. And number four, number four benefit is that the numerical, the financial, and spiritual strength of the militant church increases. When new converts are added to the church on a daily basis, it helps for increase in the number of people who are available to do the work that God has committed into our hands. In conclusion, I want to say that just as the physical parent is to a newborn baby who cannot help himself, so also is the one that follows up a new convert. I want you to know that just as you are a father, you are a mother, and uh, to your children, and uh, in this case, a, a newborn babe, and you need to help him. He cannot stand, he cannot walk, he cannot eat very well. In most cases, the, the woman has to breastfeed the, the newborn baby. That is how the newborn, spiritually newborn baby in Christ is. We will need to nurture them to maturity. We need to do what? We need to teach them. We need to, 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 to become spiritual adults. It will require care. For them to become spiritual giants for Christ, it will require adequate followers. That is why we are emphasizing the issue of follow-up today. Never preach anymore and people surrender their lives to Christ and we allow them just to go, just like that. The church must constantly remind itself of the need to avoid becoming busy with programs that makes them not to have time for this task of evangelism and soul winning. As I round up this tonight, I want to say that we must keep reminding ourselves, even in this time of lockdown, even in this time that the church is shut, that we, God has given us an assignment. Somebody was asking, do we need to go out from house to house when, with these restrictions? And I said, you may not need to go out from house to house. There are still a lot of avenues. Uh, neighbors are around us. People who are living in the same house with us. I started two months ago with a message that we should do what? We should do the work of evangelism to our family members and relations. Start with the Jerusalem that you have. Our Sunday school, our women group, our men group, our youth groups must do all, all, all that they can to see that evangelism is their work, is their main focus. I want you to know that God is still asking, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. And then if our response is going to be, here am I, send me, then you and I will be counted lawyer at the fullness of time. I want to thank God for that which the Lord has done today. I want us to bow down our heads in prayers and begin to thank God for if the Lord has blessed you through his word today. I want you to begin to thank God for the word of God that you have had. Give him all the praise. Say, Baba, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding me again that evangelism is your heartbeat. That when men and women surrender their lives to Christ, I, I, you have made me an instrument, a laborer in the vineyard to follow them up and get them established. I want you to pray that every area of your life, every area of my life, that you have not lived up to expectation of heaven, 
especially in this area of what follow up. Baba, let your mercy speak for me in the name of Jesus. Every area of my life, our Lord and our God, that I have not lived up to expectation, let your mercy speak for me. Let your mercy speak for me, our Lord and our God. I want you to also pray, Baba, cause a revival, mighty revival in my life. And give me grace to become loyal to you. Give me the grace to become loyal to you. Give me the grace to become loyal to leadership in this area of evangelism and follow-up in the mighty name of Jesus. Grace to become more loyal to you in this area of evangelism. Release that grace upon me in the mighty name of Jesus. A general of us here was saying last Sunday, just a soul, just a soul, just a soul. I want you to pray. Give me a soul that will be accounted on my behalf. Give me a soul that will be counted, counted on my behalf for follow-up and establishment in the kingdom of God. I want you to pray, our Lord and our God, give me a soul, just one soul, just one soul, especially in a time like this where the harvest is plenty, especially in a time like this where the harvest is so great. Give me a soul that will be established on my behalf ah, for follow-up and for establishment in the mighty name of Jesus. I yield myself to you, our Lord and our God. Make me loyal, make me loyal, make me counted for loyalty in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Daddy, for everything. Blessed be your name, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for your word that we have heard again tonight. Thank you for every prayer that we have offered. We pray for one thing tonight, that you will raise us up as men and women who will be loyal to you, who will be loyal to the business that you have committed unto our hands. Raise us as men and women who will be loyal to the things of God. Let your hands rest upon us, and let your name alone forever be honored. Thank you, Daddy, for everything. Blessed be your name alone. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Please don't forget that this is our week of Holy Spirit Refreshing the G, which will be coming up on Friday, the 3rd of July, at 10 p.m. I want us to keep praying, God, by the grace of God, there is going to be a revelation for elevation. Our General of Asia, Reverend Sam Aboyeji, will be ministering. And for those of us who are pastors, I also want us to hook on on Thursday for Pastoral Nurture. Pastoral Nurture. And the Lord God, will bless us in Jesus' name. I want us to sit down, spend the next five minutes to discuss the things that we have shared this evening. And in the name of the Lord, we will continue to hear your testimonies of great things God is doing in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.